Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I are joined by a special guest. We have Harold Kuntz, the sports anchor of Fox 4. Harold, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Good to see you, Joe. Yeah, Harold, great to see you. Thanks for joining and offering some some insights into what you saw this season. We're going to talk talk a little off-season, where you see the organization going. Um, I, you shared with us before we started recording some information, uh, great information about Chris Jones and what he's doing in the community, which, you know, obviously the Kansas City area really uh, fosters that kind of, of behavior out of its professional athletes. So love to hear your perspectives on on everything. We'll just let it go where it goes, Harold. So you mentioned the off-season. Harold, how, how do you see the off-season for the Chiefs shaping up? Well, Brett Veach is really focused on that salary cap at the 180, 185 million mark. And mm-hmm. the NFL kind of came out and said that it won't be lower than 180. So that's a good thing for them. They've got a lot of decisions to make, uh, especially on the offensive end. What do they do with Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson? I think a lot of that's going to have to do with what the training staff feels their health will be because Sammy was out two times for a long period of time during the season. So is Demarcus. Uh, he didn't have the production that they would have liked to have seen him have out of a number three receiver. And also on the offensive line, and Joe, you know, this is kind of your strong suit. When it comes to what do you do with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz? Okay. Mitchell Schwartz with an Instagram comment that kind of left it up in the air as to whether or not he would be able to return. Eric Fisher with the Achilles injury, we know how long that usually takes to get back to optimum mm-hmm. uh, capabilities. And when it comes to those decisions, the training staff is going to be important and what Brett Veach thinks is going to be important. So it really just comes down to what they want to do to get under the cap and what position do they want to really focus on and where they think they can get some stuff out of the draft where they can feel like they can pick up and get some depth. Yeah. Well, Harold, we you know one of the things we've been talking about, Jeff and I, and also with some guests that have been on is, I think that run it back type of mentality might get thrown out the window, right? Where you look at when, when the off season started, obviously pre COVID, cause that threw a little bit of a wrinkle into some things, especially with uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, right? Um, I mean, they what Jeff 20 of the 22 starters or 21 of the 22 starters originally coming back when this season started or when it was supposed to have started, obviously because of COVID is that, is that out the window, do you think? I mean, is this, is this like, a, all right, now we really, you know, is there a lot more moving pieces now than there was a year ago when we were in the same situation? For sure, a lot more moving pieces, uh, but not as many as you would think. The anchors are still there. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still there. Travis Kelsey is still there. Tyree Kill still there. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still going to be there. So, and then on the defensive end, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, 
Uh, still up in the air with the linebacking core. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Hitchens, you would imagine, still going to be around there. And, of course, the Honey Badgers still back there. So you have your core set. I think it's just more a matter of what you do around it because, as we figured out um, in the Super Bowl, you can't have Patrick Mahomes running 497 yards according <laughs> to the next-gen stats all over the place and, you know, throwing yeah. to receptions and only completing nearly uh, just over half of his passes with a good defensive front because people have figured it out. Have a good defensive front have two safeties back deep to uh, cover up Tyreek Hill, and then, you know, have a great athletic linebacker to try to guard Travis Kelsey. And you've got a pretty good solution on how to figure out the Chiefs offense. So it's not so much running back, I would agree with that, but it's more just, you know, kind of renew, um, mm-hmm. refresh, if you will. All right, look back at the playbook, look back at a couple things you need to change up. And that might be hard for somebody like Andy Reid. You know, he's a little bit kind of in his ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's the creative side of Eric the enemy, which really helps uh, on that offense go, along with the creative side, really, of Patrick Mahomes. You can see the way they kind of create a lot of plays and practice just to kind of keep things fresh. But that's what they really need to do. They just need to kind of re reinvigorate their game plan a little bit, kind of renew their focus on how they want to approach things and not just act like, okay, everything's good. Because clearly, in the in the worst possible situation, we figured out that not everything's good. Yeah, yeah, we saw a little bit of that. Uh, Jeff and I talk a lot about. You're right, Harold. You you kind of nailed it uh, right on the head there. As far as he can sometimes get a little too stuck is a good word attached to certain players and to certain strategies, right? So, and I know that was part of the demise in Philadelphia and what kind of forced him to move on from here. So, yeah, I guess the big hope is that we don't see that kind of like stagnant you know attitude where things kind of get get a little bit stuck right in Kansas City especially like you said with the creative mind of Eric Bieniemy and the creative talents that he has on this squad so uh, I think that's a you know that's a really fine point and uh, very astute well football might be over but as we know the Chiefs season didn't end quite like we wanted it was still a great season well football might be over but NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing and the only place you should be betting on eSports is betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And, of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And we're here with uh, Harold Koontz, the sports anchor of Fox 4 in Kansas City. And we're recording this on Tuesday. Harold, you said how you just came from um, talking to Chris Jones about his foundation. Tell us a little bit uh, about, uh, and then about Chris and his foundation, and also just what he also had to say about football. This is really the first time anyone's kind of talked to him uh, since the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Chris Jones is one of those guys that he takes everything personal on Twitter. Mm. Uh, so good thing he probably hasn't looked at it too much because, you know, <laughs> he probably wouldn't like what he saw after the Super Bowl, especially somebody talking about the Chiefs. But he's really ingrained himself in the community here. Case in point with his Sac Nation Foundation, uh, which he talked about Christmas week starting and now it's finally on the ground. And what he's doing is, you know, a lot of kids that are in underprivileged or undeserved communities, he's donated uh, money to the Greater Kansas City YMCA, partnering with them to get 300 kids 
to get out there and, and you know, play the game of football and have the opportunities to play flag football and youth football, uh, donate equipment to them. And something that he wasn't able to do in his hometown of Houston, Mississippi. If you know anything about Chris Jones, you know, he's from a really tiny town in Mississippi. It took a lot for him to get discovered just to go to Mississippi State University before he ended up uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And he loves Brett Veach. He says they have a personal relationship that goes beyond the football field. You don't hear too many players talk about that with their general manager, but that is the case with those two. And he's really happy to be like uh, a lot of the other players on the team. You know, Travis Kelsey has 87 and running. Patrick Mahomes has 15 of the Mahomes. Tyron Matthew has the Tyron Matthew uh, Foundation. Frank Clark does a lot. Uh, if you go back to his background with homeless people in uh, L.A., and he did some stuff when he was with the Seahawks in Seattle, and now he's bringing that here in Kansas City. And there's so many other guys that have done so much in the community. Mitchell Schwartz you know, with his, uh, his cooking and, and uh, Dustin Colquitt, the former punter, with his uh, Team Smile Fund. There's so many guys that have done so much here. And I think that's the biggest thing to know about football players is there are a lot – you know, there are people off the field too. They're not just players. And I think a lot of them want to know that. And the fact that, you know, they have this money and they can give back is a good thing for them. On the football field, he did mention that he'd love to play with J.J. Watt. Now, I don't know that – I think that's pretty much a pipe dream <laughs> at this point financially. I don't know if it makes any sense. I don't know if J.J. Watt would um, want to be here, really. Um, he might want to go to Green Bay or Pittsburgh to play with his brother. You know, there's a lot out there that's for him that people – that have cap space for him. And he would demand a little top dollars, one of the top defensive ends out there on the field. Now, Yannick Ngakwe uh, with the Ravens might be within the price range, or maybe they can get somebody else. I think they need to focus on receiver. I'd love to see them get Allen Robinson out here if they can kind of shell out money for that. You know, I think the biggest thing Brett Veach has already always mentioned that there's going to be guys that you can get out there that get the Patrick Christ to use the state farm term. And that's basically, hey, you might take a little less money, but you get to play with Patrick Mahomes. And that is a big selling point. You know that they're going to be in Super Bowls yeah. uh, contention for a long period of time. So that's where you go from there. But Chris Jones, you know, Love to play with J.J. Watt, kind of a pipe dream. I just think that uh, uh, they need some help on that defensive line for sure, and, and I think he knows it too. Yeah, well, Harold, you, you know, you talked about the players and what they do in the Kansas City community. I mean, you're a Midwest guy, right, Oklahoma State, right? And do you, like, is that just something that you think is just rubs off on these players, even though they all come from, you know, diverse backgrounds, they come from different parts of the country, northeast, west, south, you know, um, do you think that's something that just you, that you see in the community with the players and you spend this time with them that it just that that whole Midwest mentality and area just kind of rubs off on them and they can't help themselves but just get involved? Yeah. Um, well, you know, the thing is, I was born and raised in Nashville, uh, but okay. I've been in the Midwest for almost a decade now, amazingly, between Oklahoma and now Missouri. So it's just something about the heartland that, yeah. you know, they're kind of very – I don't know the right way to put this, but they're very kind of, you know, they hold on to what they have, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and they're very passionate about what they have. And they don't like others kind of making fun of what they have, especially in the middle of America, because it is seen as flyover country. But the people here have good hearts. And mm -hmm. the people here like the no people who have good hearts, too. And a lot of the Chiefs players have endeared themselves to that. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously a Texan. And he comes here and, you know, you know, he has his baby not too long ago, Sterling Sky, and the, the city's um, got Union Station painted, uh, or not painted, but lit up in pink yeah. uh, in honor of him having a baby girl. I mean, it's just, you get you give one you give one to others what you give to yourself. And yeah. that's what a lot of this region is all about here. And 
plus they're very passionate about what they have here, you know, because like this, like even Nebraska and Missouri and Iowa and Oklahoma and, you know, you take the Northwest Arkansas part of it. I mean, it's just like, this is, no one tells us what to do in our area. And, and because this is our area, you don't know anything about us. You know, mm-hmm. usually it's us going to you, but you never come to us. And so they grasp onto that. And it's very passionate. You can feel the passion every time yeah. you step into Arrowhead Stadium too. Yeah, that's awesome to hear from the inside. I mean, you're so close to the players. You're so close to the community, uh, you know, and, and being part of the news media. And so that's just great to hear. I, I know because it, it, it just – it's refreshing to hear that it hasn't changed since I was there in the 90s. I mean, it was the same way. You know, I came in from Philadelphia and, you know, Lamar Hunt, you know, who, who knew a little bit about the area because he went to the Hill School right outside of Philadelphia in a little town called Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And uh, – so, you know, he would always call me the big man from Philly and, uh, you know, uh, he, he, you know, coming in from the East Coast, got that East Coast mentality. I spent a lot of time, you know, in New York and in Philly and in D.C., uh, you know, uh, you know, throughout college and everything. And it's just like getting out there. It was and I'd say this all the time. If my wife and I hadn't been from the same high school, my wife and I were high school sweethearts right outside of Philadelphia if we hadn't, and my, and my wife wasn't pregnant with triplets at the time of my departure from Kansas City, there's absolutely no doubt that today we would have, we'd be living in Kansas City. No doubt. Like, we would have made our home there. Like, if, if I were from Philly and she were from California and, you know, we decided to stay in the middle of the country, like, it, it was just really hard for me and her because, you know, we needed support group. And, and like, all of our entire family lived within 10 minutes of each other here in Philadelphia. So, it was kind of a natural thing for us to go home and to come back here. But I say it all the time and I mean it with the utmost sincerity. If that, if those factors hadn't happened, we'd be, we'd, we'd be living in Kansas city today uh, and, and, and raising our family there. Cause it was just, it was an unbelievable place to be. Um, so and another, just, Harold, another cool thing about Joe's experience in Kansas city is he actually, he did a lot of media work, even when he was playing, he actually, he was on a uh, channel nine KMBC um, so here I'm actually with two real broadcasting titans in Kansas City, you know, and I hope that you guys aren't co- considered competitors, Joe, that that was enough in the past that, you know, you could don't see Harold as a rival anymore. Yeah, I think a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then, uh, Jeff. Uh, a lot of years, a lot more gray hair than I had when I was sitting in Len Dawson's seat, you know, as his fill-in anchor when he would go do – HBO Sports uh, Inside the NFL with uh, Nick Bonacani. He would fly to New York, Harold, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and, and I would sit in uh, for Len and do the 6 and the 10. Uh, and I did it all year round during the season. I used to hustle on, on Wednesdays, like from the stadium. Uh, I'd shower real fast and show up, and John Crumley, our, our, our awesome sports editor, would have all the copy ready for me and have everything cut up, and then I would just have to do my thing. So it, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast. They, they made it very easy uh, for me. And uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, but you know, listen, it's, it's, all, it's all friendly here, Jeff. Uh, Channel 4, Channel 9, you know, it's all good. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing, get that good news out to everybody. So, <laughs> no, there won't be any, there won't be any wrestling matches on this, on this call. No, I mean, I'm, I'm actually in amazement. I hear the stories about Lynn Dawson who would play and then anchor the, the sports after he played. So how could you dispute? Uh, could you, I mean, could you imagine Patrick Mahomes after the show going to one of the local TV stations and be like, all right, I'm going to go anchor this. And I was like, well, we've got your copy already. He's like, well, I want to, I want 
to edit some things out. I want to take out all the bad plays. I want to put the great plays. Check out this incompletion that I thought was really good. You know, just get real technical about it. And then they'd be like, well, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to Patrick? Like, well, you did throw three interceptions, man. It's like, well, we don't have to show those. That'll never happen today. I mean, yeah. We had some unwritten rules for sure, Harold, uh, when I was doing the anchoring. It, you know, there were certain things I, was, I wasn't allowed to say, you know, anything that would break the team's confidence, anything that would be too disparaging. Obviously, if we lost the game and we lost bad, we'd have to bring up some reasons why and things like that. So, you know, I, we did have some pretty good unwritten rules about what I could say and then what they could say to me. And, and it, made it, it made it fun. We did, I did mostly human interest stuff. You know, talked a little bit about the game the week before, look, looking ahead a little bit. So we, we kept it light in, 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 in Len's absence as he was off doing his thing with HBO. Well, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to top the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers 100 plus making it free to sell or flip your collection for even those expensive shoes. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Uh, Harold, kind of the, the, the narrative uh, heading into the Super Bowl was um, kind of the, the Chiefs looked poised for to probably win it. We all thought they were going to win the game um, and for multiple Super Bowl titles. I mean, we're – People are saying they, they were maybe the next dynasty after the Patriots. Uh, do you still see that? You, you mentioned the Patrick Mahomes discount that you can still bring a lot of talent in. Do you still see that, or is that a little too uh, rosy outlook as we look long, long into the future? I think we're too far ahead of ourselves, but it's not out of reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, most definitely. I mean, again, you have a generational talent paired with a generational coach, uh, with a generational direction with the president the general management and ownership down so i think there's definitely another super bowl run plus you look at the other competitors in the afc east uh you're looking at a buffalo team where josh allen still yet to prove it on a big stage you're looking at a baltimore ravens team that has an mvp in lamar jackson but at the same time they haven't really put enough around him yet or it just hasn't really come together you look at a titans team that has run focused but at the same time, they've got plenty of issues on their offensive line as well. And their defense was pretty soft this year. So you look around the AFC, and honestly, the, their biggest competitor might be themselves and then the teams within their division, the Chargers and the Raiders specifically, since they have so much problems with them. Those are only four games out of the year. They seem to not have problems with many other people. And Buffalo comes to Arrowhead uh, this upcoming season. Cleveland comes to Arrowhead this upcoming season. We already know LA and uh, Las Vegas come every year. So you're looking at a situation where they're looking at – they could be looking at home field advantage yet again if they get things right because they're a really great regular season team. Uh, the thing is, it's just postseason, and you see those teams on defense come up with a little more different strategy. And I think that now that Tampa Bay kind of gave that defensive game plan out there, they might struggle a little bit in the early season, but it gives them time to figure out exactly what they need to do. 
And then when they get there, about the sixth, seventh, eighth game of the season, then it's they're going all, all cylinders forward. I mean, the Super Bowl year, let's not forget, they lost to the Titans, and that team was 6-4. and four. They, they had to run off some games. And then they got big help from the Dolphins in Week 17 uh, when they beat New England at New England that enabled them to get home field advantage. Of course, getting help from the Titans beating Baltimore, too, who was the one seed. So they got a lot of help along the way. They weren't getting as much help this year. Uh, they're kind of doing all it on their own. Uh, and remember it all to talk about how games were close. I think that's just because they're disinterested. And they, as much as they say they were prepared after two weeks, there might have been some, you know, cockiness going into this game, uh, the Super Bowl game. I mean, they thought maybe, all right, our offensive line, which was patchwork, they'll be able to do something with the Bucks' defensive front. And you can figure it out without two series. And, Joe, you know, I'll lean on your offensive line experience too, but you can figure out within two series that was not going to be the case, and they never adjusted. Yeah, you're right. Documents. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Harold. I, we, we made – I made – I'm not going to drag Jeff into my, uh, into my, <laughs> my incorrect assessment of what was going to happen. But, you know, we, I made some assumptions that Patrick was going to be able to overcome you know, some of the, the, the Swiss cheese that was happening there in that, in that protection. And I thought that Patrick would be able to make some things happen. And, and, and Jeff and I talk about this term all the time, find the pocket within the pocket, which he usually can do when the rush breaks down. But what, what I think ultimately ended up happening was that they never really needed to rush more than four. And that really set, that really set things in a, in a bad rotation because, you know, when you got seven dropping back, it's hard to get anybody open, even when you have the, the Legion of Zoom and the fastest receiving core and the best tight end in the league. It, it just I, I made I made a misjudgment there on on how much they were going to be able to overcome that. Um, and and it just it, it came back to bite us, obviously. Right. And, and the fact that you, you said it best and we used that same stat. I can't believe somebody actually tracks that statistic of how much how many rushing yards somebody does before they throw the ball. And that Patrick almost had 500 yards rushing doing air quotes there uh, before he threw the ball. And that's like imagine that. Imagine if somebody ran for 500 yards in a game going the forward direction, they'd win 72 to nothing. Um, and that just you're right. That was just set things. In, 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 a, in a way and put things in motion that was going to be really, really tough for the Chiefs to overcome. So I hope they spend the offseason, you know, really doing what they can to shore up the offensive line and getting some answers early on what's going to happen with Mitchell and with Eric. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come down to what the doctors say for sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'd like to add, I'd like to see the whole heart, McCall Hartman uh, develop. Uh, you know, there's only two receivers on this roster right now. They're under contract, which is Tyree Kill and McCall Hartman. And McCole's spending time with Tyreek right now during the offseason, so maybe that's helping. Uh, his development's key because then you have a 4-2 and a 4-3 guy uh, both out there to fill. Then you can really be the Legion of Zoom when you can add some of that uh, precise route running that they desperately need. Hardman is such a – yeah, he, he's so intriguing here. He's, he's such a boom or bust guy. He makes so many big plays but also uh, you know, has made some uh, crucial mistakes, especially – you know, he was getting kind of uh, unfairly criticized, I think, in the, in the playoffs for some of his uh, gaffes. Harold, I, I really liked um, your analysis, too, of uh, the Chiefs standing in the AFC, that, it, you know, a lot can change in an offseason, but the Chiefs still look like the cream of the crop, uh, especially considering some of the problems of, of the other teams in the AFC. And, and the other thing, too, is I, I think there is something to the Buccaneers' game plan would be successful against the Chiefs going forward. But – 
looking across uh, looking across the league, I'm not sure there's that many teams that can execute them. I mean, the Bucks had an elite defensive line, maybe the best in football. Even the Bucks, I don't think necessarily will have the same talent on the defensive line. You know, Shaq Barrett's a free agent. Uh, Sue might retire. So I do think there is a game plan, but I don't think there's that many teams that are still possible executing. Yeah, their defensive line was certainly elite. You thought maybe for yourself for a second, you're like, okay, well, they fought, they've they faced the Saints defensive line. They had faced that same Bucks defensive yeah, line right, during right. the regular season. You thought, okay, they still put up 32 and 27. They should be all right. And the Super Bowl is a different category. Uh, it's a, just a different level of play from a regular season game. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And and Dominican Sue all of a sudden realized, you know what, this is one of my last shots at getting a ring. I've been playing for the Lions. I've been playing for a couple other teams. I'm here now. I'm going to do the best I can. Shaq Barrett was an absolute beast. Jason Pierre-Paul reminded you that even though he has seven fingers, he's played on championship teams, and he's still a really good player. And fingers have nothing to do with pass rush, last I checked. So, so he, he, um, he proved that he was an elite talent out there. And I, that, that's what you do. I mean, that's, that's what you do. San Francisco proved it last year in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs were finally able to overcome it with, of course, Jet Chip Wasp and a couple other plays that got them into in, in the going there. But, yeah, it, every team has flaws. Mm-hmm. Now it's how you fix those flaws or how you can kind of, you know, band-aid those flaws. And I believe that they thought they had a band-aid to those flaws and the band-aid just got broken right through. And that's just really what it came down to. Steven Wisniewski, you know, he got released from Pittsburgh for a reason. Then I brought him back because they knew the season, but he wore out after the end. Uh, Austin Ryder, you know, we don't even know he was the best starting center of the team because Daniel Kilgore was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got other guys that were – you have a left tackle switching over to right tackle in Mike Rimmers and then vice versa trying to swing guys like Andrew Wiley over. And you're just like, okay, how did you not see this? But at the same time, again, they thought they were so high up there and elevated in status and a little bit of cockiness that they thought, all right, this is going to work. And it didn't work. Two, two great points, Harold. I actually agreed. We, we're, Joe and I were talking about this, that we thought Kilgore might have been uh, the better player. Or something. He, would, he started when they just destroyed the Bills with their running game and was impressed by him. And yet Wisniewski was interesting. He really helped the team last year down the stretch. But it did seem kind of curious. He signed a deal with Pittsburgh, and I know he was hurt. I don't know if he was maybe never fully healthy because he didn't seem – he was so crucial last year, and it seemed weird that the Steelers, a team that had a lot of offensive line issues, would let a guy go like that if he, he could still really help them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, really, I mean, I, we could probably just do a couple of shows just on how the offensive line was affected in that last, you know, in the game in the Super Bowl, right? And what they need to do this offseason, whether LDT comes back and, and makes his impact, whether those guys get healthy. I'm, I have to assume, you know, Assembly's probably done. Harold, you probably know better than us. I mean, I, yeah. I can't imagine. I thought he was a fantastic pickup. I thought he was playing at a super high level before he got hurt. And it just, it, it, you're right. It was, it was spaghetti junction out there for those poor guys swapping all over different positions. And it's not easy to do that. You know, it's not, you can, you can, you can, you can swing around at guard and center cause you got guardrails and bumpers on either side. But when you start getting guys switching at tackle and you get a guy who's always been inside and Andrew Wiley playing right tackle and you got Remmers who's been a right tackle playing left that's a whole, they're all, that's a new world. That's like, that's like the difference between earth and, and Mars. And uh, it was, that was a huge impact. I think it was, I think it was the whole game. I mean, if you had to pinpoint one thing. 
Yeah, Assembly's been back at the facility at least. Has so he? We don't know. He's working out though. I think it's like much more on a rehab type scale. Okay. And the facilities are just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's not forget, you mentioned LET, but Lucas Niang, the draft pick that came from TCU, he'll, he, he should be back. And that's basically a free rookie they have that they need to develop. But he, his development is going to be very important. I think his just coming into a situation now where his development is now ratcheted up in importance. It's key now for uh, those the Chiefs offensive line going forward. Definitely. Harold, hey, great point about Niang. He, he could be a very key guy next year. And, uh, Harold, thanks so much for joining us. For the Kansas Cityans out there, you can catch him on Fox 4. He is the sports anchor there. And if you enjoy our show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.